The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 21, of Religious Worship and the Sabbath Day, Paragraphs 7 and 8. As it is of the law of nature that, in general, a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God, so in his word, by a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, he hath particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath, to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, and from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which in scripture is called the Lord's Day, and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. Paragraph 8. This Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their own works, words and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. When I was a child, I grew up in a home that wasn't particularly religious. None of us were believers, none of us had received Christ by faith. And yet when Sunday came around, we did Christian kind of things. My parents would send my brother and I to church with my aunt. And then later on in the afternoon, we would go to a Sunday school meeting. And it wasn't just in the churches and halls of our local area that we were sent But we would also notice the difference on a Sunday in our own homes. We weren't allowed outside to play with our friends. We weren't allowed to watch television. We weren't allowed to do very much except perhaps sit in our rooms and be quiet and read. Now again, I stress, my family weren't Christians. But in Northern Ireland in those days, there was that sense that the Sabbath, the Sunday, was a very different kind of day. The shops weren't open, the pace of life was radically different, and even pagan Protestants such as our family observed it. Without knowing and without understanding what was happening, as I look back now I realise that my family were doing their best to keep the Lord's Day holy. That's something that in Northern Ireland has long been controversial. Famously here, once upon a time, a local council locked up the swings and closed the local parks on the Lord's Day. But as we begin today, it is important to note that the Sabbath was not an invention of man, nor was it the invention of a local council. The Sabbath was God's idea. The Lord's Day was God's idea. 
and it was for the good of his people, a blessing for the people of God. Today in episode 65 of This We Confess, we close our look at chapter 21, thinking about religious worship and the Sabbath day. And as paragraph 7 begins, we are told by the Westminster Divines that it is obvious in nature that a due proportion of time is to be set apart for the worship of God. Friends, as I record this podcast today, a winter storm is blowing into the town in which I live. The snow is everywhere and within just a matter of moments, it seems, everywhere before me has turned white. Creation is a marvellous thing. Whether it's a winter's day or a summer evening, we look at creation, we gaze at the stars in the sky, we enjoy a winter breeze or the summer sun, and as the divines tell us, creation shows us that there is a God and he is to be worshipped. However, the divines are clear that the special revelation of God's word shows us that the Lord himself has appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath which is to be kept holy unto him and to be observed by all men in all ages. The divines add these words, positive, moral and perpetual commandment to their description here. The Lord's command is a positive one. The Sabbath isn't a negative, it isn't a burden, it is indeed a delight. It is a day of rest. Sabbath means exactly that, rest or cessation. And so the Lord positively has given us one day in seven for a rest. His command is a moral one. We find it in the Ten Commandments, which are still binding to all men in all nations to this very day. The civic and the ceremonial law may have passed away, but the moral law still stands. And it is in the moral law in Exodus 20 and verse 8 onwards that we are told, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so this Sabbath is a positive thing. It forms part of God's moral law, which is still binding on all people. And it is a perpetual commandment. It will not fade away. It continues to this very day. And so straight away, the divines speak into our modern world, a place where even as Christians, we treat the Sabbath day as just another day. Perhaps we will gather on a Sunday morning to worship, but sometimes we can't be bothered. We certainly do not return to worship in the evening service and the rest of the day is spent doing normal things which we have done also on all the other days of the week. The Sabbath in this day and age has become certainly not what it was intended for. The Sabbath day, a day of rest and a day of cessation, is to be kept holy unto the Lord by every single one of us. And it stands in the very beginning as the Lord's day. When the Lord God had finished his work of creation, we read in Genesis 2 and verse 2 that on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so from the very beginning, men and women of faith have kept the Sabbath day holy. But as the divines tell us here in this chapter, 
we know that the Sabbath day has changed somewhat. They write that from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, the Sabbath was the last day of the week. And so as we meet the Jewish believers in the scriptures, they set aside Saturday as the Sabbath, the last day of the week, the day of the week on which God rested in his work of creation. However, as believers, you and I have become familiar with and accustomed to Sunday as our Sabbath day. And Sunday is the first day of the week. Why has this changed? Why do we no longer meet on the Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath? The divines tell us that whilst from the beginning of the world to the resurrection, the Sabbath was Saturday, the last day of the week, from the resurrection of Christ onwards, it was changed into the first day of the week. And so the Sabbath is no longer on a Saturday, but instead a Sunday, because on the first day of the week, the Lord Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And we see this pattern very quickly in the New Testament. In Acts 20 and verse 7, we read that on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. And in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1-2, to Paul writes, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul was clear that this first day of the week, the Sunday, was the new Sabbath day. It was the Lord's Day, and we find it called exactly that in the Scriptures. In Revelation 1 and verse 10, John the Apostle writes that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And so as believers, we no longer meet to worship on Saturday, which is still the Jewish Sabbath. We believe that that has changed from the resurrection of Christ to this day. Sunday is the first day of the week, and Sunday is the Lord's day, and Sunday therefore is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. And as we discuss the Christian Sabbath, it is important to note that sometimes, and especially in this day and age, whenever we discuss the Sabbath and urge God's people to set it aside as a day of rest and cessation unto the Lord, a day where they worship the Lord both morning and evening and spend the day resting from their works and their general activities, the cry of legalism goes up. And yet we must remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 5 and 17 to 18, he tells us, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. As we have already made clear, the moral law of God is still in force. It certainly will be until the very end of the age, and it is the moral law of God by a positive and moral and perpetual commandment which calls us to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. The Westminster Divines, therefore, have laid out their case for Sabbath observance, but as the chapter and the next paragraph comes to a close, they show us how we are to keep the Sabbath. 
Not surprisingly, again, the Westminster divines are full of wisdom. Before they jump into the ins and outs of the Sabbath day, they make it clear in paragraph 8 that we are to prepare our hearts for the Sabbath day, and indeed to order all of our common affairs beforehand. We catch a little glimpse of this in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 29 to 30. We read, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place and let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. And so the people rested on the seventh day. In other words, the people on the sixth day were to prepare for the seventh. And so in the same way, if we are to take God's command seriously, not only are we to prepare our hearts on the Saturday, we are to think on God's word, we are to pray about the worship that we will attend, we are to ready ourselves for our religious activities on the Sabbath, but we're also to make sure that we've got enough milk in the house. We're also to make sure that if we've got no bread, then we go out to buy some on the Saturday. We are to order our common affairs beforehand and prepare our hearts for the delight of the Sabbath day. To underline this, let me use the imagery of going on holiday, if we can remember what that is like under these current restrictions. But imagine if you've got two weeks booked at the beach. You jump in the car, you arrive at the beach, but you remember that you haven't packed, you haven't prepared, you're still wearing your winter clothes, you don't have any sunglasses or sun cream with you, you can't go into the water, indeed you forgot your purse. You're completely unprepared to make the most out of your two weeks away. Well, in the same way, if we as believers want to make the most out of the Sabbath, we should not expect just to wake up on the Sabbath day and everything to fall into our laps. We are to be prepared for worship and we're to put all of our affairs in order so that we can rest and cease from all of our regular activities. The Westminster Divines describe these activities as worldly employments and recreations, and the Sabbath day is a day that we are to take a break from our own works, our words, and our thoughts. So it is not a day for having meetings after church. And it isn't a day to be nipping down into the town to have a cup of coffee and a coffee shop with our dear friend, where we have a good chinwag, a good gossip, and we put our world to rights. Nor is it a day to try and finish off that essay that we've been putting off for our university course. And nor is it a day that we should teach our children could be spent in revision and getting ready for exams. The Sabbath day is a day unto the Lord. It is special, it is different, it is unique in each and every week. And so it is a day to be prepared for. And it is a day where we put aside all our regular activities, put them in their proper place, and instead focus on the Lord. The divines say exactly that. They tell us that the whole day is to be taken up in public and private exercises of the worship of God. So we are to attend church. We are to bookend the day with attendance at public worship, morning and evening. And in between, we are to be about private exercises of the worship of God. Perhaps in the week that has just gone, we haven't been in the Word too much. We'll lift your Bible down from the shelf and read it. Perhaps prayer has been pushed out due to the busyness of the week. We'll go into your private closet, close the door, and call upon the Father in heaven who hears what is done in secret. 
Lead your family around the Sunday roast. In prayer, read the word of God to them. Talk about the sermon that you've all heard that morning. The day is to be filled in public and private exercises of the worship of God. But the divines aren't so foolish that they expect everyone to go into the house and to close the door on the Sabbath day. As the chapter ends, they tell us that we can also be involved in the duties of necessity and mercy. In other words, if we have animals that require feeding, then they are to be fed. If we have an elderly relative who has fallen and broken her hip, then we can rush to her aid. If we find our gainful employment comes in the National Health Service or in the police service or the fire service, then all of these duties are acceptable under the Lord to be carried out on the Sabbath day. But if we find ourselves walking around a golf course, having a good chinwag, putting the world to rights and giving no thought to the Lord, then we cannot honestly say that this is a duty of necessity or mercy. The debates and the discussions about what is right to do on the Sabbath day have always raged, and they involve the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Matthew's Gospel, we meet a man with a withered hand, and Jesus was asked the question, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And he replied, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, says the Lord. And then he commanded the man to stretch out his hand, and the man did so, and he was healed and restored, and his withered hand was now healthy like his other one. And earlier in Matthew chapter 12, when the Lord's disciples are criticized for plucking heads of grain to eat on the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus reminded them of what David did in the Old Testament. And a more important point was that Christ himself is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so we follow the Lord's example on the Sabbath day. We do works of necessity and mercy. We feed our families and we love our neighbour, but everything else is put to one side as we focus on the public and private worship of the Lord and spending the day at rest and cessation from our usual activities. Often when the Sabbath is discussed, we can roll our eyes, we can groan inwardly at sounds and smells and tastes so legalistic. We've developed into people who demand that we will do and say and think and act however we wish on the Sabbath day. And no one will tell us otherwise because they then will destroy that word that we all love, which is grace. But my brothers and sisters, I would urge you to see it another way. In Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments, the Lord is clear that we are to keep the Sabbath day holy. It is to be a day of rest, a day of cessation, and in Mark chapter 2 and verse 27, Jesus shows us the purpose of the Sabbath day. The Sabbath, he says, was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, instead of seeing the Sabbath day as a legalistic chore, may we see it for what it is. The Sabbath is a gift from God. And how we need the Sabbath in this day and age Life is lived at such an incredibly fast pace. All of us are involved in stressful activities each and every day. We are running our children here, there and everywhere. 
There is pressure at work, pressure at home, worries about the pandemic. What can be done about any of this? Brothers and sisters, embrace the Sabbath. Embrace the day of rest that God has given you and spend that day focusing on that which is really important. It isn't the spreadsheet that you pour over from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. It is not the football team who you sing for throughout the rest of the week. It is not even the demands of your family and friends who say that you don't call enough to see them and perhaps you should come round and spend the evening with them on a Sunday. My friends, none of these things are as important as the Lord. None of these things are as important as our relationship with the eternal God. And so may we hear this podcast and may we see once again the Lord's call to keep the Sabbath day holy. And without grumbling, without shouting about a destruction of grace or the increase of legalism, may we see the Sabbath for what it really is. Isaiah 58 and verse 13. Call the Sabbath a delight. As always today, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. The Westminster Divines tell us that creation shows us we are to worship God, but he commands us to do so in his word by a positive, moral and perpetual commandment. What do we mean by these words? Question 2. The Sabbath in the Old Testament was a Saturday. Today, for us as Christians, it is a Sunday. Why has this change occurred? Question 3. How would you respond to someone who says that the keeping the Sabbath is legalistic from the Old Testament and is no longer binding on the Church of Jesus Christ? Question 4. What do the Westminster Divines mean when they tell us that we are to prepare for the Sabbath? And question five, what are duties of necessity and mercy? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. (laughs) 